Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. This is our last Sunday of 2019. Oh my gosh, what a year. Time goes by quicker and quicker, right? I have a theory of why. Because our memories become less and less. And so there's less time in between what we remember, and it makes it seem like time's going faster. That's my theory, and I think it's a good one. Um, But as we look forward, remember what's ahead. God is always doing something, and he's always pushing us forward. And I wanted to share something this morning, kind of ending our year together and moving forward together as well. And so open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. This morning I'm going to talk about Novocaine at the Dentist ink erasers, baby food, and playing hide-and-seek. Genesis 32, starting at verse 1, says, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Notice it's plural. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanim, which is the camps or two camps. And then it goes on. It just goes on and he says, Jacob sends messengers before him to his brother Esau. And I just love how this kind of starts off with this little sentence, right? That Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. As if that's just something that happens every now and then, right? And we saw that it happened in last chapter chapter where the angel of God told him to go back to his people. And just a quick recap, if you're not familiar with the story, Jacob left his family because he stole his brother Esau's inheritance. He connived his way. He tricked his father and took his brother's inheritance, but then his brother was not happy. And so his brother was out to get him, and he fled, and he stayed at Laban's house. He met her his wife, Rachel, but there was Leah. It's a long story. Anyway, he's on his way back. And on his way back, God tells him, hey, go back to your people. And then we have this little sentence here where the angels of God met him. We can get so used to these things that we pass them over. It's kind of like we're numb to what's happening and they throw out a sentence as if it's nothing and we just keep reading it as if it wasn't 
a big deal. When I was younger, I went to the dentist and they gave me Novocaine because they were going to be doing a filling or something like that. And it's so weird, right? You feel like your lips are all big. Well, my lips are already all big, but you know what I mean? You just feel like it's all numb. And I started just gnawing on my cheek because I couldn't feel it. And all of a sudden I heard a crunch and I crunched my cheek because I wanted to feel it but I still couldn't feel it. And then the dentist came back and goes, what did you do? It was just numb. I I didn't feel it. It was like it wasn't there. And sometimes we can go through passages of Scripture and read them as if they're not even there. I mean, what does this mean? And, And why is it here? And why does it get just go on? I mean, the next sentence is Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother. Can't we talk about the angel of the Lord meeting you? Can't we at least acknowledge something's there? You see, that's the whole point. It's meant to kind of, hey, something big's happening here. It's meant to startle us. It's meant to make us go, what the heck is going on? What is the angels of the Lord? And it's meant to spark some kind of thought. It's not meant to be answered necessarily, but to provoke thought to help us understand something's going on here that we need now to pay attention because this is a big deal. What's going to be happening here is meant to stand out. And again, the problem is last time Jacob left home, his brother Esau wanted to kill him because he stole his inheritance. Esau's words were, the days of mourning of my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. That's the last thing he said. And because of this, Jacob had to run. Because Esau is an MMA cage fighting kind of guy, right? He's a hunter. He's the kind of guy who's burly. He's hairy. I don't know, burly and hairy. I think they mean the same thing. But he's that kind of guy where Jacob was the mama's boy. And so he knew that Esau was going to put him away. And so he left running for his life. Word comes to Jacob that Esau now is coming to meet him. He's going back to his homeland and they say, hey, your brother Esau is coming to meet you. And he can only imagine his last words were he's going to kill me. And now he's coming to meet me. And so he's trying to figure out what to do. He's heading back and he's trying to ease the blow of what's going to happen. And so in verses 14 through 18, it says, he sends 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves. I never knew there were milking camels. 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by himself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. And he does this two more times. So he's sending out these things in spaces, right? So that when Esau's coming, oh, look at here comes all these, you know, donkeys and milking camels and cows and stuff. Hey, who are you guys? Oh, 
We are your servants. Notice the word servant, Jacob. We are bringing this as a gift to Lord Esau, right? You're up here. I'm down here. And it's like, okay. And then here comes another one. And then here comes another one. All this is trying to to get Esau to see, see, I, I don't mean any harm. I'm bearing gifts to you. Please don't kill me. He's trying to make things work because he's going back home, but he left on unpleasant terms. He's trying to make amends for what he did. I remember when I was in school, and at first they start you off with pencils, and I forget what grade it was where they give you pens. Now it's real, right? Because now it's ink, and ink stays but then they give you these erasers, ink erasers. You know those white ones? They're kind of like rock, right? And it was very quickly that I found out that ink erasers really don't work. Not the way the pencils and their erasers work. Pencil, you could just erase and like, oh, this is nice. And then you get those nice white erasers and they're like really smooth. Ink erasers just tear holes in the paper. They, they don't remedy the situation. Jacob's trying to remedy the situation, but it's really beyond what he can do. It's beyond his ability to repair. In verse 21, it says, So the presence passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. He sends everyone ahead of him, hoping it will erase the problem. And he stays back in the evening. And then in verse 22, we get one of the strangest stories in Scripture. Verse 22, it says, The same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the the ford of the Jabbok River. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was pulled out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What the heck? All of a sudden, a man's there wrestling with him. It goes all night. Man touches Jacob's hip, but Jacob won't let go. He asks him what's his name, tells him all this goes on. This is a crazy story. 
And one of the wonderful things, and I think the reasons that Scripture is inspired is these kinds of stories are thrown into the mix as if it's no big deal and we are left to wrestle with it, to try and figure out what is happening, what is the intention here. And you see, where the Spirit of God encounters our involvement is where inspiration takes place. It's when we pause and engage that God is able then to engage us. There has to be our labor to figure out what does this mean? What is being said here that helps us to understand? You see, I don't want to just tell you this is what it says. This is what it means. It's here in its obscurity to make us wonder what the heck is going on. It would lose its power if it was just something that we could say, okay, this is this, this is this, this is this. Now, there's definitely things we're going to pull out of it, but I want to explore this together. I want to look at this, and I want to kind of poke at it. I want to tease at it. I want to see what jumps out at us as we start looking to this. You know, baby food doesn't taste good because they make it so it's easy to intake. They purify it or puree it or one of those things. I don't know what it is. Purify is something else. But they blend it so much that it starts to lose the flavor. You see, when you get something and you eat it, and it doesn't matter if it's vegetables or meat, it's the chewing it and the eating it that starts to produce the flavor of it. And what we don't want is pre-chewed food. We want to engage in this to get the flavor of what it's trying to say to us. And that's why I want to explore it with you. First thing we notice is in verse 24, that Jacob was left alone. Before all this wrestling and this man comes, Jacob is left alone. You see, sometimes things only happen when we are alone. Not just alone from others, but alone with our thoughts. Sometimes the truth can only be heard when there are no other voices telling us lies. When there is no distraction. It's at night when the conversations are done and the TV is off and I'm alone with my thoughts and I feel the weight of life pressing on me. When I'm alone, I can choose to struggle with deeper conversations or tune out. But it's in the struggle that I'm changed. It's in the struggle of those thoughts that I start to make decisions of what I'm going to do with whatever these things are that are pressing on me. But I'm not even dealing with these things until I'm alone. Jacob has sent everyone in his family, all the people who worked with him, for him, his wife, his kids, they're all gone. He's alone and something happens. The intent of this stranger 
this intruder, was not to destroy Jacob, but to test him, to change him. We know who Jacob was. He was a person who manipulated circumstances to try and take control. He was someone who was always working to get his own benefit, whether it was with his father, whether it was with Laban. It it was part of his personality. The name Jacob means a person who strives. It, It was part of who he was, his character. But now he has no control, and he is forced to wrestle with who he was and with who he could become. I wonder, do we wrestle with who we are? Do you ever stop and think about who I am and do I like who I am or do I want to become someone else? Because I I think that's probably the hardest thing to wrestle with. It's the hardest thing to see is who you really are and to grip with it. Right To come to grips with, this is who I am, and to find the things within me that I, I don't like, and to want to change those things, and to need help changing those things. But before those things can change, there has to come an awareness of those things. I have to recognize that there is something that needs changing in me. And it doesn't matter where I am in life, it seems like there is always something that needs to be changed. There's always something that needs to be worked on. In fact, when I stop seeing that is when I think I need to be afraid. The wounds he received are a mark that he carries with him about the encounter with the truth that he had to face. And he can never go back to who he was once he is aware of who he is. I think that is our journey. I think that's what life in Christ is about. It is moving from who we were to who we now are in Christ. It it is a transformation that takes place, and it's constantly taking place, at least it has been in my life where I'm constantly being transformed, where God is constantly working with me, where his spirit is speaking to me and I'm wrestling with these things in my life. The experience is indelible and changes us forever. It is constantly reminding us of the spiritual reality we have known and forcing upon us a recognition of the finite nature of our ego in relationship with who God really is. My ego is so big when in reality it is so small. And God is so big, but sometimes in our reality, it looks as if he is so small because there is little influence he has on my life. I want to read to you an excerpt from Frederick Buckner, it's from his writing called The Son of Laughter. Out of the dark, someone leaped at me with such force that it knocked me onto my back. It was a man. I could not see his face. His naked shoulder was pressed so hard against my jaw, I thought he would break it. 
His flesh was chill and wet as the river. He was the God of the river. My flocks had fouled him and my children had used him. He would not let me cross without a battle. I got my elbow into the pit of his throat and forced him off. I threw him over onto his back. His breath was hot in my face as I straddled him. My breath came in gasps. Quick as a serpent, he twisted loose and I was caught between his thighs. The grip was so tight, I could not move. He had both hands pressed to my cheek. He was pushing my face into the mud, grunting with the effort. Then he got me on my belly with his knee, and the small of my back, he was tugging my head up towards him. He was breaking my neck. He was not the god of the river. He was Esau. He was... He has slain all my sons. He had forded the river to slay me. Just as my neck was about to snap, I butted my head upward with the last of my strength and caught him square. For an instant, his grip loosened and I was free. Over and over, we rolled together into the reeds at the water's edge. Then I was on top. I knew that they were not Esau's arms. It was not Esau. I did not know who it was. I did not know who I was. I knew only my terror and that it was dark as death. I knew only that what the stranger wanted was my life. For the rest of the night, we battled in the reeds with the Jabbok roaring down through the gorge above us. Each time I thought I was lost, I escaped somehow. There were moments when we were laid exhausted in each other's arms, the way a man and a woman lie exhausted from passion. There were moments when I seemed to be prevailing. It was if he was letting me prevail, and then he was at me with new fury. But he did not prevail. For hours it went that way. Our bodies were slippery with mud. We were panting like beasts. We could not see each other. We spoke no words. I did not know why we were fighting. It was like fighting in a dream. He outweighed me. He outwrestled me. But he did not overpower me. He did not overpower me until the moment came to overpower me. When the moment came, I knew that he could have made it come whenever he wanted. I knew that all through the night, he had been waiting for that moment. He had his knee under my hip. Then the moment came, and he gave a fierce downward thrust. I felt a fierce pain. It was less a pain, I felt, than a pain that I saw. I saw it as light. I saw the pain as a dazzling bird-shaped of light. The bird's beak impaled me with light. It blinded me with the light of its wings. I knew I was crippled and done for. I could do nothing but cling now. I was crippled and done for, but clinging. I clung for dear life. I clung for dear death. My arms trust him. My legs locked him. For the first time he spoke, he said, let me go. The words were more breath than sound. They scalded my neck where his mouth was touching. He said, let me go for the day is breaking. Only then did I see, I saw it for the first faint shudder of light behind the farthest hills. I said, I will not let you go. I would not let him go for fear that the day would take him as the dark had given him. He was my life I clung to. My enemy 
was my life. My life was my enemy. I said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Even if his blessing meant death, I wanted it more than life. Bless me, I said. I will not let you go until you bless me. He said, who are you? There was mud in my eyes, my ears and nostrils, my hair. My name tasted of mud when I spoke it. Jacob, I said. My name is Jacob. It is no longer Jacob, he said. Now you are Israel. You have wrestled with God and with men. You have prevailed. That is the meaning of the name Israel. I was no longer Jacob. I was no longer myself. Israel was who I was. The stranger has said it. I tried to say it as he had said it. Israel. I I tried to say the new name as I was to the new self. I was. I could not see him. He was too close to me to see. I could see only the curve of his shoulder above me. I saw the first glimmering of dawn on his shoulder like a wound. I said, what is your name? I could only whisper it. Why do you ask me my name? We were both whispering. He did not wait for my answer. He blessed me as I had asked him. I do not remember the words of his blessing or even if there were words. I remember the blessing of his arm holding me and the blessing of his arms letting me go. I remember as blessing the black shape of him against the rose-colored sky. I remembered as blessing the one glimpse I had of his face. It was more terrible than the face of dark or of pain or terror. It was the face of light. No words can tell of it. Silence cannot tell of it. Sometimes I cannot believe I saw it and I lived, but that I only dreamed I saw it. Sometimes I believe I saw it and that I only dream I live. He never told me his name. The fear of Isaac, the shield of Abraham, and others like them are names we use because we do not know his true name. He did not tell me his true name. Perhaps he did not tell it because he knew I would never stop calling on it. But I gave the place where I saw him a name. I named it Peniel. It means the face of God. The sun's rim was just starting to show over the top of the ground by the time I finally crossed the Jabbok. Bands of gold fanned across the sky. I staggered through the rock shallows, one hip digging deep at each step, each new step. And I headed, bobbing. It is the way I have walked ever since. From that day to this, I have moved through the world like a cripple with a new name that I fear that fear gave me that night by the river when he gave me his blessing and crippled me. Jacob does not mention his name Israel for 23 years when he refers to himself. It's something that was hard for him to grasp. Something has changed but it was almost too big to imagine. 
I love this story because it sparks the imagination, trying to figure out what happened. How did he meet a man, not know it was God? How did God not prevail? How did God prevail and change a man? You see, the story of Jacob is the story of Israel. People who had a home who were in exile and then returned home. Jacob had a home. He left, was exiled, returned home. It's the son of the prodigal son, a person who is home and then squanders their life and then returns home. It's our life. It's a life that is trying to find its way back to God and wrestling with God until we are home. It is our story. Just as it is Jacob's story. And just as God had to change him and gave him a new name, God is changing us and renaming us. Jacob refused to part, refused to part with his experience until he knew its meaning. I won't let you go until I know what is going on. Who are you? I I wonder how hard we have to struggle and hold on to find out what God's wanting to do in our lives. I wonder how much we need to struggle. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, it also says it in Proverbs 8 and in Jeremiah 29, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's not like God is hiding, right? When you play hide and seek with your kids, you always hide someplace where they can find you, at least if you're nice, right? Sure, you could hide and they can never find you, but what fun would that be? God's not distant. He's not far where we can't find him, but he is not close enough for us to take him for granted. And unless there is a wrestling and unless there is a struggle, there will not be a change. Do you want to find God? How much do you want to find God? Do you realize that you and I are as close to God as we want to be? The only thing preventing us from being closer is ourselves. God is present. It's not that he's hiding. It's rather we would live a life of distraction than face the truth of who God is and who we are. Jacob's future was uncertain, but it was better because he was a truer person. Moving forward isn't about things getting easier, but it is about things getting better. But sometimes getting better isn't easy. As we move forward, is our life focused on getting better or easier? Sometimes I just want easy, truthfully. Sometimes I just, uh, I'm good. I don't want any more difficulty. I don't want any more change, please. But I want more of God. And for there to be more of God in my life, there needs to be more struggle within my life to deal with things, to grow in areas, to, to seek after him, to pursue him. You know, I was... Looking on, I don't know what it was. I have these apps that kind of 
They're like time hops where you look back and see a year, two years. Here's all the things that were happening. And I saw this last week, Christmas, you know, like three years ago or four years ago. And, and I was looking back and I was like, wow, there were a lot more people at Genesis a few years back than there are now. And I was kind of bummed, right? I was kind of like, man, you know, what's going on? What's happening? But I, I kind of know what's happening. I know it's at least what's happening with me. And I know the journey that I'm on and that you've been on with me. You know, I, I don't want to do church. I, I don't want to just come here and teach a Bible study. I want to engage God with you. I, I want to see discipleship take place in us. And I, I know that that's requiring more from me and it's requiring more from people. I, I know I talked with one person who had left and has gone to another church and fine, that's great. But they were serving here. They were involved here. And I asked them how things were going. They're not doing anything. But it's a good church. There's good music. There's good teaching. There's good, 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 good. And there's less, 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 less. And it's not that the church is bad and ours is good. It's just when you're small, you kind of know each other. In the future, as we press forward, I'm committed to a deeper involvement with our children, to seeing them develop and understanding more about who God is. I don't want our children to just know the Bible. I want them to know God. And there's a big difference. Pharisees knew the scriptures, but they didn't know Jesus. I'm committed to a deeper involvement with our community. That's why we've got this building space. You know, I I know it can look like a step backwards going from a bigger space to a smaller space, but... It's trying to be a step forward into how we involve and engage with the people in our community. A deeper commitment to what I believe God is asking of me and of us. At my mom's memorial, there is a a young man who's been a part of some of the things that we've been doing with the workshops that we've been doing here. And I looked and he was there at the memorial. He didn't know my mom, but he knew me. And you see, that meant something. He, he wanted to come because we had talked. That's what I want. You see, I, I don't really care if I make a thousand Christians angry at me if I can have a conversation with one person who is journeying who doesn't know Jesus. Jesus would leave the 99 to find the one, he said. I want that to be my mindset. I I care about those who don't know and want to be engaged. That's the relationships that matter if we're going to be like Christ. And this is where I wrestle. And this is where I want to challenge us, right? What area of your life do you need to move forward in? What area of your life is God wrestling with you? What needs to take place that isn't? 
and what has to change so that it can. And I, I want this to be a genuine search for all of us. I, 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 again, this is where I think inspiration is coming from. A story that is so mysterious that makes us wonder what's going on that provokes us to think, well, maybe God is wrestling with me too. And I want to challenge us this morning to think about that and to not go on living until he cripples us, until he changes us, until we look more like him. Let's pray. Father, this story has awaken something in me, and I pray it does all of us, Lord. And even in this moment that we have together on this last Sunday of 2019, Lord, I pray that we would take a moment and reflect. God, what are you saying? What are you speaking to us? As Alex sings this song, I want us to be thinking about maybe what areas God is speaking to us in. What changes is God wanting to make in our lives? What, what things are we needing to get rid of? What things are we needing to step into? Let's meditate as the song is being played just on these things. If you want to sing, of course, you can sing, but I want you to think about that. May you allow yourself to be alone. May you still the noise around you so that you can hear clearly the voice of God. And may you wrestle with what he says to you. Leave behind what needs to be let go step forward in what you need to take hold of. In the name of Jesus, amen. Happy New Year, you guys. God bless you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.